Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Aaron Folk and Ezzy Redwood, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hello. What's up? How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Now, before I tell everyone who you are, I'm going to do a couple things. First off, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software development team quickly and affordably. It's all the work I needed to get out of the way. So... Now we can talk about great stuff. I'm going to go ahead and introduce both of you. Now, Aaron, um, you've been on the show before, correct? I have, yeah. yeah. So welcome back. Thank you for asking me back. I'm glad to have you back. And Ezzy, I've been trying to get you in here for a while, so welcome. It's good to be here. I'm glad to have both of you. So um, together, you guys have created a marketing juggernaut here in Kansas City. Aaron, you're the CEO and founder of Lily and James Creative. And Ezzy, you were, uh, I don't know what you called yourself at LV8 Marketing. Uh, yeah, we were just, you know, managing partners. Okay, there you go. And recently you guys have uh, have uh, either acquired one another, joined forces, or done something great. And we're going to talk all about that today. Not only what you guys do, yeah. but a little bit about those changes. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to get out of your way and let you guys explain what Lillian James Creative, which by the way, you know, I like it when you're interactive. So go to LillianJamesCreative.com. Check some of that out while we talk. So who wants to take the mic and talk about what you guys have done to uh, create Kansas City's new marketing machine? Okay, awesome. So essentially, Lillian James has been around for about three and a half years. um, But just this past, past quarter, quarter four, at the beginning of quarter four, we niched down to B2B. Um exclusively. And what I learned during the process of to get there and then once we did it is that a lot of people, when we're talking to our current B2B clients as well as our future B2B clients said, well, how can you help me with my trade show? How can you help me with my events? Essentially, how can you help me with experiential marketing? And I started looking around and I was like, you know, there's a lot of really awesome experiential marketing companies and there's a lot of really awesome digital companies, but nobody's doing it together. And how could we do that? And as I started having these conversations, as he's already my best friend, and so I loved what they were doing over at LV8, and I was kind of saying, hey, what's the future look like? What are you guys going to do? And these conversations just kept going, going. And eventually, Lillian James uh, acquired LV8 so that Ezzy could come on to Lillian James and run our experiential marketing side of our business. And he's going to, he's like, Graduated high school at 14. He's a super genius, so he'll break it down for you way better. Go. You graduated from no, high I'm, school at 14. I am not a genius. Just to throw it out there. I know some actual geniuses, and I'm, I'm not But you did? You graduated from high school at 14? Uh, yeah. Man, oh, I was yeah. having a hard time even getting into <laughs> high school at 14. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> We're so opposites, and that's why this collaboration has been um, – a lot of people said, why didn't you guys do it sooner is really what's happened. But, yeah, he's a super genius, so break it down better. For the record, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas for the last two years of high school. There was nothing else to do. In Arkansas, <laughs> is there only two years of high school? Uh, no, I, I started high school in L.A. I'm just kidding. I was in L.A. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. There was a lot to do. There was too much to do. That's why. Well, for those of you listening in Kansas City, you probably have had, know who Azzy is, and you do a lot of different entrepreneurial stuff, and some of it's some of it's community based. Some of it, you actually own a wings restaurant too, right? Yeah, me and the uh, and the fam were were partners in that, and we're yeah. just trying to build it together from the ground up. We're we're fortunate to be in the top, you know, was it five percent of uh, of restaurants uh, who've been able to last eight years. So that's oh, wow. uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, ours and wings, man. I got to quit talking about wings, or I'll get hungry. <laughs> They're so good. Nothing wrong with that. That's really where our friendship started. Over wings. I know. I get it. I don't see a problem. <laughs> I don't either. I could eat wings all day. So, Ezzy, with with LV eight. And, you know, the, the, the joining of forces here, you know, what, what specific experience did you bring and where, what's your background with the experiential marketing and, you know, trade show or B2B stuff? Yeah, I, I'd say it's more so, you know, how to stand out, 
right? Uh, and that's the crux of any kind of business relationship. So with LV8, we focused on doing hard things, whether those hard things or how do you, you know, survive as a business where you're in a city where they don't care about you so much. So, uh, you know, a perfect example of, of that is there's a place called Manabar who they are a tea shop. Right, they source their teas directly from the farms. Like no one does that. They all like chop them up. They have whole leaf teas directly from the farms in East Asia. They go. They even keep soil samples, right, to make sure it's as as pure as possible. And you know they're in the town that you know maybe doesn't so much care about tea right now, not yet, uh, because they just haven't you know been exposed to that. So it's like, how do you get people to care, and how do you create a community around them? you know, so that, you know, to create a movement. And so that was really what we focused on was how do you create movements and how do you solve really hard problems? Uh, in terms of background, you know, I mean, I, I think it's all differentiation, you know, regardless of, of uh, you know, I, I ran uh, an innovation think tank in the a big investment bank, I, you know, did, uh, you know, and that was like, how do we stand out and how do we, you know, do things internally that um, make better sense, I think, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the business side, I started out in marketing, uh, you know, going, uh, going to cities that didn't like Boston. I went to school in Boston, so, or in, in Massachusetts, but I worked out of Boston. And so it's like, how do you, uh, how do you get cities like Pittsburgh and Cleveland who don't like you know, where you're from uh, and get them to hire you to sell a product they feel like sells itself and differentiate in a town that they think they own. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of been along those lines uh, for a long time. It's really, diff- you know, how do you differentiate from everyone else who tries to do what you do, except not as well, or, you know, who just has louder voices? So let's, let's talk about this term experiential marketing, because I consider myself to be an experiential marketer. Um, you guys have probably both been to one of my sweet and great events. Yes. I, sure would, I, I consider that I, I don't use the word experiential mainly because I would have a hard time saying it too many times. <laughs> or spelling it. It gets really hard it. when you spell it. Yeah. It's a lot of syllables. <laughs> right. you know, it it's, is. A of syllables. it's a lot of words too. If, and for those of you listening, if you can spell experiential, go ahead and try and good for you if you get it right. Cause <laughs> way ahead of me. <laughs> so I, I've always just referred, you know, I say experience-based marketing and I, and um, you know, I worked in, in the music industry and live events for a while and I, I understand the power of giving someone a memorable experience. And, you know, with Sweet and Great, we did that locally, try to get people that are together that have a common interest and then doing something like, I don't know, I can't remember. I know I've seen both of you guys at different stuff and you... We get a bunch of people in the same room, a bunch of entrepreneurs, investors, influencers, and we have a good time. And half the time, people aren't even paying attention to the event. They're paying attention to each other, but they have a good time. They have a memorable experience. And with that, I like to think I created a bit of an army of evangelists. And that was the whole point. Um, Oftentimes, people will, and you know, to kind of parlay that into what you're talking about with community building, um, the term tribe building is... Uh, pretty popular too. If you can create something that has um, as much of a draw to just come to see the other people that are there as the event itself, then that becomes pretty powerful as well. Um, So I think Seth Godin wrote a book called Tribes about that, that I first read about it, but I've seen some, some of my friends in the music industry do a highly effective job with that. And it creates a pretty tight knit community. It's hard to do though. So, so that, you know, now, when you guys are referring to some of this stuff and experiential marketing, um, and we're talking about trade shows and B2B stuff, tell me more about, like, give me some examples. Okay. So here's one of the big things for me is that I can kill it on digital, right? Digital is really where my space has been. And what I started realizing is so many people, when they show up to that trade show, if they've felt this amazing experience in digital, they are expecting that experience times 10 in person, yeah, right? Sure. And or if they have an awesome experience in person and then they go look at your digital stuff and it's just not the same, it just already breaks that trust, uh, which is why you you throw an awesome experience event. You've done incredible at that, right? And you're at, at full skill, your online experience mimics your in-person. You guys have done it really, really well. Most people aren't there yet at all. 
if they're if they've gone all in on digital, they haven't really thought about the experience piece and or vice versa. So for us, it was really just how do we bring those together? So when we're talking like through different examples, I think a big part of it is right now, because this just happened, literally, we made the announcement at the end of uh, quarter four going in. And then uh, Lily and James closed from the 20th through the 6th to give our, our employees a really good break between the holidays. So right now, what we're looking at is um, sitting down with each of our clients and talking through like, they're already going to trade shows. What trade shows are you guys going to? How can we help bring up a concept that when you walk in, actually, we were talking about in our team meeting this morning. And one of the girls on our team said, the best trade shows I ever go to is when I walk in and it feels like I'm in their store. It no longer feels like I'm in a trade show, right? And being able to bring that concept all the way to um, to the day, the, the day of feeling and being able to manage it from top down. Uh, part of what Azzy's been really good at is he's helped out with a lot of a lot of events. He's the event guy, I think, in this city. So he's done everything from huge events at Global Entrepreneurship Week to Rise Fast to now he sits on the One Million Cups committee of putting that and bringing that back to what it used to be. And so when we were just thinking community events, we were like, that's the person. Because you do, you grow your tribe. And then online, a lot of times, especially if you go to Vegas, like I have to go to Vegas in a couple of weeks and speak at a conference, right? It'll be so exciting that week, but then I need to maintain those relationships till next year when that conference comes again. And so this is being able to mirror those. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you, I, I guess my take is that your brand is something that you build, right? It's, it's one thing to have a good product, uh, it's another thing altogether to have a good, uh, you know, customer and potential customer experience. And if you have a great product, but that experience sucks, then you as a company suck, right? Uh, and you know, we had to learn learn it the hard way. You know, with, with Wings Cafe, you know, we have a <laughs> we have some some sauces that destroy everybody else in in the U.S. You know, I'm talking like. Buffalo silk, where we melt four cheeses into a buffalo. You can't touch that. Uh, Matt yeah. wants to eat lunch so bad right now. Yeah. <laughs> he said no more food doc. <laughs> we called it silk news because it was like so smooth and the light simmered off of it. But By the way, I wasn't feeling good over the weekend, so I, I didn't eat a whole lot. So, <laughs> so now yeah. you're back. <laughs> I actually like, yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm re- I am hungry now. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but if, 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 you know, in the restaurant industry, for example, everything's just accelerated because it's, it's really easy to die. And if you're, you know, what we, we had to realize is if your experience, customer experience isn't great, then it doesn't matter what you have there. Right. And it's the exact same, you know, with any business really is if you're, if you haven't thought through what your customer's experience is like and how they feel on an emotional basis from when they are first exposed to you through when they use you through afterwards and you don't have a plan for the four months after they've used your services, then you're the disadvantage and you're just lucky that your competitors haven't figured it out yet. Okay. Now, you know, you talk about trade shows. Um, when I worked in the music industry, I worked for Roland, the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. And trade shows were like, I hated them. Right. I mean, they're like, and now that said, Roland was like the king of the trade show. Like we had a, at the Nash at NAM, the North American music merchants show, we had a trade, we had a trade show booth that was an acre. It's a football, a football field. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Right. I mean, and it was done well, um, but it was like, it was terrible for the people that work there. I mean, it was yeah. just so much work. And then you talk about, you know, you go there, it's exciting. We would be there for <laughs> nine days long. Wow. That's a long uh, trade show. It's oh, a, a big and long trade show. <laughs> it's because like 200,000 people come to it. But just like, anyway, it was so long. And you talk about how do you maintain those relationships as the, as the year goes by. Now, just recently, I went out to TechCrunch and I came back with an ungodly amount of business cards and contact info. And now I'm sitting here going, what do I do next? Right. You know, what, how do, what do I do with and, and, and I think that's part of the challenge that, um, you know, anybody in those, in those fields deal with, it's the same thing, like with our sweet and great events and, you know, we'll get, you know, maybe come out to a Royals game or something and there's 30 people there. And I had 
27 different conversations and right. then you go you you leave you're like man that was a lot of fun and then you get back to work the next day and you get busy doing other stuff and you let a lot of that stuff slip by the wayside right so what are what are how are some ways to avoid that because i mean obviously i think the obvious answer is do your job yeah <laughs> and follow but up but it's not always it's that easy than done. Yeah. i think that the big thing is what we work with with clients on is what is the goal of the trade show so for me for years i was like just don't do trade shows. You can get, I can put one LinkedIn post out and get 20,000 views. So why are you going to go to this trade show to get in front of 20,000? I mean, that's, that's what they said, right? I'll get in front of 20,000 people. Okay. Well, we could do that in a week right here. What I realized over time is that trade shows are no longer, no longer serve the purpose of what trade shows used to serve the purpose of, right? So trade shows used to be a very lead generation piece of your pie, way before digital back in the day. Like trade shows back in the day, you would go to them to meet all the people you could never get in front of. You can now get in front of those people, yet trade show attendance are go- attendance is going up right now. And it's because people are craving that human interaction piece, right? Because we all sit at our computers all day. And yes, we're in front of them, but we still want to know what are they really like behind the scenes? What are they really like on a day-to-day basis? What did their customers say? What, do my, what, what our mutual customers say? So essentially, what we see it as now is more, it is that experience and understanding, okay, if we're going to trade shows, let's be honest, they're not cheap, right? Just to even be in the trade show at all and get the corner booth, no one's going to see is expensive. So how now do we take the cost that we're going to do that and make it make sense, the cost we're going to spend for that and make it make sense? And with our, to your point, with our, with our strategy that we've been adapting, we start with what's the goal? What's the goal of the trade show? Are we there to make our current customers feel good? Are we there to essentially collect a bunch of business cards and then start to connect with those people online? What's the goal of our trade show? And then work kind of backwards. And that's really what Ezzy and his team are going to be doing is work backwards of let's start with the goal and work backwards of how we meet our goal. So, you know, with your sweet and greets, okay, you have 30 people. How many of those people Are there 10 that are really your people that could be your future clients or be your big referral people? Then let's really spend some time talking about, hey, these 10, we want to make sure we hit this, this, and this with them. And then these 10, we're going to start to cultivate the digital relationship so that next time we see them in person again, we're able to capitalize on that first conversation, that digital conversation, this next conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And for those of you listening, if you want it to make even more sense, you could Go to lillianjamescreative.com. By the way, Lillian has two L's, L-I-L-L-I-A-N. That's a long domain name. It was. I bought it years ago. And <laughs> so. that was named after your kid, right? It was. Uh, creative was most searched for SEO purposes back Wait, then. Wait, your kid's not named Creative. Not No. So that's why that's in there. And then Lillian James, I, was, <laughs> I think we've had this conversation. I was always in sales, so I wanted it to look like it was coming from someone versus a company. Mm when spam filters started. So Lillian, I've got a Devin James and a Liliana Grace. So play on their name. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So, all right. So when it comes to like, all right, so what's the goal of the trade show? Um, it's obviously to sell stuff or to make connections or you, as we were talking about building a brand. Um, I think building a brand is tough. Uh, there's obviously just so much noise out there, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know? So like, what are a few things that you think are important when it comes to building a brand? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's what are you doing that your competitors aren't <clears throat> that can differentiate you in the eyes of your, you know, your potential clientele. Uh, and so that that doesn't necessarily have to be trade shows because, I mean, how many of your you know, clients are going to your trade shows? Uh, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, th- but, I you know, I think trade shows are, are really important because that's where your uh, potential refers are. I think that's where you're able to test and try out, you know, new methods, new ideas, things like that. Uh, but I think that on the ground in your cities, whatever cities you're operating out of, you really need to to put a lot of creativity towards what are you doing that's different? Where are you doing that's worthy of, of, of a news article? You know, where are you doing that's worthy of someone being like, Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. I haven't seen that before. Right. And I think that so many people fail at just thinking about that. They're like, if I just execute really well and have this really great product or service, you know, that, you know, that will be a different. I mean, you get to a point where everyone's had that, right. Or everyone says they have that and it's not that different now. 
you know, as, as eventually you get, you know, the reputation catches up to you. You have, uh, depending on how small or large your clientele base is, you know, it, that reputation catches up to you sooner or later, you know, but at the end of the day, people can, uh, you know, pretend at least for a little while, like they have, you know, those services, or you get to the point where they're actually, everyone's actually, you know, got a service that the average, you know, customer doesn't really draw lines between. And so they start basing it on things like price. And then if price is your main differentiator, uh, that, that works for some industries and some models, but for a lot of times, I, you know, that's not the best way to differentiate. You know, the best way to differentiate is, is proving that you think differently from everyone else. And you translate that same creativity into the art and craft that is whatever your product is and whatever your service is. And so from, in my mind, it's how can you create that difference? Uh, whether that's, you know, I don't know. I, I'll let you, you know, maybe give me a, uh, you know, uh, challenge me later on like a, a, a topic or business. But, you know, that's what I think. I think it can be applied to any, any field, you know, any field. Well, we've done a lot of that at full scale. Um, you know, at, once again, full scale.io. Um, I mean, we make it easy to turn the key on having a, a team of remote developers. Now, we're not the first company and we're certainly not the last company that does that. There's a lot of places to find these services, but it's really Matt and I that are, are our differentiator. That's where it starts. Yes. Because I, I can sit across the table from, uh, from a, a startup founder and say, hey, man, I've been in your seat. Right. <laughs> I know what it's like to wake up at two in the morning and wonder if you're about to go broke, if you're crazy, or if every decision you've made is wrong up to this point. Like, I get it. And um, with that, we were able to build a company and services that were tailored from our own blueprint of a lot of things that we did poorly over the years and learned from. And so much of that uh, came down to figuring out how to assess, like recruit and assess and retain and employ the best people so we could have a microscopic turnover rate for our clients, which were the big things that they were concerned about. So um, with that, you know, we, you know, Watson will, he say, well, what we're not interested in doing is cheap shoring. Like we're not just trying to like, Hey, here's the cheapest, right. here's butts and seats. And these, we're really great at being average. Right. That's not what we, that's not what we, we do. We're trying to like, it's so amazing, but at the same time. Until the next update comes out, right? That's what, <laughs> one thing, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I'm just going to take one second to plug that if you're, if you're a founder and you just go to, I, I won't say a name of a country, but it's big and has you know, a huge population of people. Uh, and, and you go, uh, uh, you know, you respond to a request for doing your tech. The chances are, if you have not vetted those people, that something will go wrong. Yep. You know, either yep. they don't future proof your tech. Yep. So then as soon as the next update comes, you're screwed, uh, which is usually right before or after launch. Right. Yeah. So you've invested the marketing money as well. Uh, or like they're not, they're not bug testing or they're not, you know, the, the code's ugly and, you know, load slow. So now you're, you know, getting penalized by everything from your Facebook ads to Google. And you're getting deprioritized and you're having to spend way more money on things that you shouldn't have. Accumulating so technical debt. I just want to debt. say that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's part of, that's what we're trying to avoid. And now with that, up, upholding our own brand standards creates some different challenges because we don't know, we can't predict when the, so we try to hire people that are in the top 10 to 15% of whatever it is that they do. Mm -hmm. Whatever career level they're at or whatever technology they provide. Problem is, is you can't, you, we don't know when they're going to show up. We talk to, we assess as many people. So like, for example, we had to create like 20 different certification and assessment tests. We have like a very rigorous and that, and that just, that doesn't, just cause you can write code doesn't mean that you're any good at solving problems, that you have a good attitude that you want we, we, right. that, so yeah, so we have a whole thing and we've actually, we've become pretty, pretty damn exact at it. Um, and as we look back at it, the times that we've let things that we've, that we've, uh, this is a little outside the margin, but maybe we'll go there and then it never works out. So, so, so we've, le we've learned that we've learned that 
that, you know, sticking with that we have that, that we've created basically a brand standard when it comes to the employees that we hire. And then also um, with that, part of what our differentiate our plan of differentiation was creating a place that people wanted to work. We look for a triple win. We want it to be a win for our company, for our employees and our clients. And if that exists, boom. And we're not the cheapest. We, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, look, if you're looking for the cheapest, you're going to get what you pay for. So anyway, there's just a couple, couple things with the brand. Now, now with that, you mentioned your reputation will always catch up with you. Right. So, so that's part of where our friendship really started. So I, uh, like I said a, a little bit ago, I'm really good at digital. What I haven't always been great at is being a business owner and a leader. Those were some things that were big, big learning curves because I'd always been in sales. So I really like, and I'd be a sales manager, but on teams where I also was in charge of sales too, a lot of times, maybe one or two people under me. And so, um, as in our, in my friendship really came out of me going to him a lot of times on when I didn't hire the right staff or when I didn't have, uh, the right communication with clients and stuff in the past. And as we got into this, I thought, okay, well, this is, this is, he knows what he's doing in this space. I've learned so much from him. And again, I feel like he would say he's learned a lot from me on the digital side. So it just kind of married it. The one thing I do want to point out about full scale is because your mind and my mind work a lot alike, Matt. Um, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> no, okay. So as our minds were kind of alike is I think part of why you guys ramped up so quickly is because you took the experience stuff like the, the sweet and greets, this podcast. I think that we're, we are, uh, discounting that this podcast is an experience for people, right? It is. Which essentially isn't even named after your company yet. Your company's the sponsor of the podcast, right? Again, looping it all back in. So understanding that the experience doesn't always need to necessarily be a trade show, but what does your audience want? What does your audience react to and coming up with those experience ideas? But at the end of the day, these are all lessons I've learned as I've, I've always had amazing creatives on my team who are the ones that make the things, but I haven't always had like, the best communication people on the team, including me. And so that's where Ezzy and I's friendship really came. And eventually it just all made sense to bring it all in together. So our clients could have the best experience. So then essentially we can teach them how to give their clients the best experience. So if you talk to Ezzy for a while, he'll use the phrase non-traditional marketing. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But I, I love non-traditional marketing. I like to, I mean, we do a lot of traditional Mm -hmm. marketing like women I we have three or four blog articles that come out fullscale.io check them out and you know different stuff but i love the non-traditional stuff and you know like that's that's so what let's let's throw a few things out at people that could be examples of non-traditional marketing we've already mentioned a few of them like one of them is sweet and greet now that's that's a full scale thing. Um, I, I did invent that term because there wasn't a hashtag for it anywhere. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so that means I was first, right? <laughs> right. But with that, we got suites at the local concert and sports venues. And uh, we try to be very selfless about it. It's not like a pitch for what we do. And we invite a random number of people. We try to get a different mix of people. Now, that was expensive, but it helped build a brand and it created a fun experience for a lot of different people. You also mentioned the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying everyone needs to go out. Not everyone's going to be able to go out and get a suite at wherever you're at. Right. Um, but you could do something like a podcast and you mentioned the podcast as an experience. We're all experiencing this together. Right. Um, there's other things. What, what, what are some other, uh, uh, non-traditional marketing methods that you guys have, have come across that you've liked? I mean, I, I, I think it's, um, I think it's maybe easier to think about, you know, what could be done in an industry. Okay. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking around at, at, you know, <laughs> at our studio. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I mean, like if you're okay, so we have the star puzzle sign. If you're a metal, if you're a metal fabrication company that's making signs like this, you know, it would make sense to pick a time where people are going to be out in the streets. You know, here we have first Fridays where everyone's out and it's kind of like a, you know, arts festival and, and do an installation sculpture and put plop it right in the middle. Right. And put a hashtag down at the very bottom, <laughs> you know, very small people have to search to find it. 
right? And and have that be like nice, like you know, very like uh, interesting, intriguing uh, to get people asking why, and then you know, kind of come as that conversation has kind of started and and introduce yourself, you know. Uh, and it also helps if it's heavy enough to where it's hard for people to move. <laughs> you know, sure. just as a logistics, uh, but you know, you can do that with anything. If it's uh, if you're a microphone company, then you can have uh, something where you know you set up speakers in an area and you channel like you know you you uh, you know, kind of triangulate to where people's movements then correspond to different sounds, right? Or you know, different you know panes on the sidewalk you know correspond to different sounds so you can you know map out the the sidewalk have that correspond to different sounds and then uh, play those sounds over the speakers as people walk through downtown you know just things like that and people will figure it out after after a, a second and so like just things like that that make people think a little bit but they also show that you're if you care that much and put that much attention and detail into something that people haven't thought of before, then there's a good chance that you're willing to put that same time and attention into your microphones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for Lily and James, I'm not going to go down the sign company route. Um, although I like that sign. Uh, it's it nice popular. Sign. Yeah. That's a it's, hot sign. It's been popular. Uh, but for us, some of the things we've way. done is we also have podcasts. We also have Actually, today our flash briefings came out, which is just when your Amazon tells you the news. Now you get a marketing tip. We have a LinkedIn live show where people actually uh, get to ask questions live from our guests. And we've done a really great job. Actually, we're going to put you on spot and ask you to come on our LinkedIn live show while we're here. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So you'll get to ask Matt questions. We'll make sure we get that out there. Oh, man. But essentially, uh, get to ask questions of people that they probably won't ever get us in the room with, or it'll be a while. So people, um, so it's experience again, it's not a huge trade show cost, but there's things that you can do that still create the, uh, to your point, the sweet and greats. A lot of people can't afford that. Right. But there's things people can you do. You could afford one of them. You could afford one of them. Sure. You could afford a bunch of Royals tickets, especially beginning of the season Royals tickets. You can get for 10 bucks a pop at the group rate. Right. And you can, we've done that before and taken all our clients to there and understanding that there's things you can do that create the experience that will then match online your online experience as well. But just having a good online experience just isn't enough anymore. Nope. Right. I mean, digital is, is so ubiquitous now, you know, like everyone's got a Facebook page. That used to be a differentiator. It used to be like, Hey, this is a way for us to tell our story and, and create a narrative around our company and our why. But now everyone has one. So what? Now everyone, everyone can, has a podcast too. They can reach their customer. It directly. feels like everyone has a podcast because you have a podcast, but I've looked at the numbers. Not a lot of people still have a podcast. It just feels like it because so many more people do. Yeah. And so you just stay ahead of the trend, right? So that's why we took our LinkedIn live show because it's still in beta test and and we were able to get the the live portion. We we're like, okay, well, should we do a po another podcast? Well, let's do it in this format because now we're ahead of the trend while a lot of our competitors are just now getting their podcasts. So yeah, a lot more people have podcasts, but it's still a very small number compared to businesses. A lot of people start stuff like that and then uh, it dies quickly because right. it's hard. And consistency it's like is real, what, it's actually what really want. easy, but it's hard. It's hard to be consistent. Right. And, you know, sometimes, and I get at this point, oh, I don't know. For those of you out there listening, thank you. <laughs> I mean, getting, you know, I don't know, a lot, a couple thousands of people a day listening to this stuff. Like all of you, thank you. Especially the ones that take the time to send the message that says that, that what we talk about and the people that are on the show have had a positive influence on them. That's when it feels good. There's yeah. a, uh, but like you said, it's that consistency right. that matters. And um, if you're going to, if you're going to do any stuff, any stuff like that, be committed to being consistent. So it's easier to be consistent when you, cause we, we manage quite a few podcasts for, for clients. It's easier for our clients to be consistent when we book out one day, they they do all their podcasts that day and then we take care of, you know, all of that stuff. That's why companies like us yeah. exist. And so essentially you're kind of a hybrid of, uh, I, you've got a lot of marketing components to your deck of what you offer. And so you're very lucky to be ahead of the trend and be able to do a lot of this and say, but that's kind of where our company comes in and saying, Hey, you need to have this. I get that you sell furniture, but you need to have a podcast because that's, what's going to set you ahead of all the other uh, 
furniture salesmen out there, right? Sure. So just staying really ahead. And that's I, that's essentially what we're helping our clients with. And I would say, like, you know, combine physical and digital, right? right? So some people are like, well, you know, social media doesn't apply to my industry. Yes, it does. Or digital. Like, it applies to every industry, right? Like, but you can, you, you know, it, there's ways to marry the two. Like, if you have a furniture company, put out a big piece of furniture, make a really big piece of furniture people want to take pictures with. And, you know, and then put that on your social. If I was a furniture company, can I tell you what I would do? Please. Tell them. (laughs) I would, in my showroom, because they've always got big showrooms, I would set up a friend's. I'd get the friend's couch and make it look like Central Perk in just a corner and make it a place where people want to come in and take their selfies and their pictures. And when they do that, I would essentially... Just be able to make sure we had a hashtag and then use that content again that nobody's going to set up their friends, but it marries like that is a business that had stuff. Everybody wants to take their picture on the friend's couch, right? And kind of that look and make that more of an experience of when people came in and just people would start to know your name really, really quick because you'd have so many evangelists out there for you. Is that kind of like how when I was at Universal Studios last week in Disney, I didn't post any pictures except for the one of me standing in front of Moe's Tavern? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that. that was like it. That was like heaven does exist, people. So we were in New York just recently, and my kid, my son loves friends. And so we actually took a cab 25 minutes outside of our, uh, outside of anywhere else we were going just to take our picture in front of the friends, like, it wasn't even where it was recorded, but it looks like where it's friends in Central Park. And there was 100 people out there taking their picture in front of this, yeah. right? On a random Tuesday afternoon. Like, people like that stuff. It 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 marries, like, childhood memories or some sort of memories with their now experience. So offering things like that. Sure. And people want to get away from their reality, you know? I mean – at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is like, how can I, as a, as a person, as an individual, and then as a consumer escape the, the monotony of everyday life and, and create my own happiness, right? It's hard for people to create their own happiness. So we can give them things to help inspire that happiness. And, and that's kind of where we create that emotional connection to a product, a service or a company. And then you spread that word. And, and, and really share that, that sense of happiness and experience. I learned a couple of things with experience, the experiential, gosh, I'm going to try to <laughs> so spell hard. That. I, that's why I say experience <laughs> based, you get it. So one of the things, and some of the things we learned was, you know, like, all right. So when, when we did our first sweet and great events, people would go and we know, I noticed everyone was like posting pictures. They're like, yeah, I'm at the Travis Scott concert. And I'm like, hey, man, can I like get a mention or something? Right. You know, and then, and they, you know, and, and then we, there at the suite, we started putting out napkins, coasters. We put a, a you know, a, st- a sign on the wall that's like hashtag full scale or, right. you know, hashtag sweet and great or something like that. And, um, and then people actually started doing it and also going out of the way to actually be the instigator of taking pictures. I was going to say, you guys also yeah. married your digital. So you were the first to post yeah. pictures and it, it's always easy for people to repost pictures. Yeah, I remember yeah, when yeah. you started and, doing and that. So in, in other things too, and I've learned that, you know, if you don't make it really easy for people to do stuff, mm-hmm. then they just don't do it. They don't do it. It doesn't even matter what it is. Nope. It's just it at all. So like, for example, you saw, well, we saw Johnny came in and took a couple pictures. We've taken a couple pictures and like, we send those out to people, you know, we send a thumbnail out, we send a few things out we say, here you go. Like mm-hmm. if, if you want to post this on your stuff, here's the kit. Here's the kit. kit. Yeah. Here's here's one for Instagram. Here's one that fits on YouTube. Here's a link to the YouTube video. And by the way, you can actually watch this episode of Startup Hustle on the Startup Hustle YouTube channel. You know, yeah. I've been on a million podcasts though, and very I'd say less than ten percent send you a media kit. Yeah, well, it's not. We don't send a full media kit, but yeah, but anything of, we kind of revise that. But yeah, just like to make it easy to post. Like right. here's the here's the episode link and. You know, so I did the same thing when I published my books because the very first one I was asking everyone to, to, to all my friends and to say something. They're like, well, what do you want me to say? Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. shit, I got to figure this out. <laughs> so then the second book came out and I literally like I sent an image and I said, hey, if you're wondering what to say, hey, my friend Matt just published a book. Check it out. Right. You know, like, and here's a link. Something super and simple. And that was yeah. it. Because otherwise, they, you know, just saying, hey, would you say something on on whatever, 90% of the time, the, you'll get a reply. The, right. Either they won't do it or they'll just reply and say, well, what do you want me to say? Right. Anything. Just something. But yeah. So, okay. So now 
before we hit record, we mentioned the term social capital. Is this, is everything we talked about, is that what, are we creating social capital? I think so. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's an understanding of who's in front of you or what's in front of you, whether it's a brand or an individual and then how much they uh, have done to build into the community or to be additive to uh, the world around them uh, versus just taking, right? Uh, and I, I think that now that we have more educated consumers, you know, being in the information era, uh, I think that that's something that people are able to track and they're able to uh, keep tabs on. And that then, you know, is reflected in things like uh, when companies get in trouble. Right. So if you're, uh, you know, if you look at when companies get in trouble, a lot of times they're takers, right? Uh, they don't have the social capital to be like, that wasn't their intent, right? No, you're like, yeah, they, they're, you know, they, they just take, 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 right? They're still pulling bottles of water that they sell to us out of lakes, right? So now if that, if that water bottle company, uh, gets in trouble, then I'm like, man, good. They had it coming. Right. They're not, can, how, how, what, what did they do in Flint? Right. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at what did they do to make the world around them better or to contribute to the building of a community outside of what they had to do. And if the answer is nothing, then they don't have the social capital, uh, the, and they can't leverage anything to get me to buy their product outside of, you know, what I need it for as a function. Right. So, uh, you know, if their product is functional, if I need that function, I will buy it and I will do some kind of uh, equation on price versus quality. And I'll make my decision based on that. Now, if they've invested in the social capital of making the world better or contributing to a community, whether that's building the community or helping the community accomplish goals or solving some problems, then I now have a different reason for buying their product. And it, and all of a sudden now price matters less to me. But if if they haven't invested in that, then what, who are you to ask me to buy your product over someone else's who I make the decision is equally good, right? Maybe you haven't done the social to distinguish yourself. Uh, you know, a product that's, that appears at least to me to be equally good, uh, but it's cheaper. Millennials and Gen Z. That's what's happening. So millennials are now 40. They're turning 40 this year. Millennials at the top of the millennial and Gen Z. All of these people have grown up with a million options, right? And now what sets us apart? And millennials and Gen Z want to see what you're giving back, right? Gen Z and millennials, um, they watch their parents go through the uh, with the economy stuff. And they saw which companies stood up and they saw which companies didn't stand up. And that resonated. They were kids or young adults during that. And so right now we're just seeing an a, all the studies that we're doing, that we're looking at, that millennial and Gen Z want to see that you're also a good business, no longer just a good product. Okay. Do you want to know the best way to build a community? Tell us. Playing mixtape the game. I with thought your that friends. was it. I was going to guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the, the beta version of the mixtape app is available on iOS and Android. You do have to have a Spotify premium account to play, but it is out there and it's fun. I am the reigning champ from last time. I was Are there. you? Mm-hmm. Have you played mixtape before? I, I haven't. You're uh, about to. Oh boy. All right, so now I'm not using the app. I'm going to wait until Joel Johnson comes in because he's coming in. We're going to have a, a, a specific episode where we're going to use the mixtape app. Is he the creator, Joel he Johnson? Is. Cool. He is, and we, we have invested in this. We helped build the app. It's fun. All right, so I've pulled a card out of mixtape, the mixtape deck, and you can go to mixtapethegame.com if you want to check it out. I'm going to read a scenario. We're all going to name a song that we think is appropriate. We will vote. You cannot vote for yourself. Okay. Most votes wins. I won last time. Did I mention that? Yes, you did. <laughs> just once, though. I don't I usually win. You're by might today because Watson, I think, just refuses to vote for me. <laughs> I, you know, it's we talked about getting older. I'm like holding the card further away so I can read it, and, and it's like thirty point font. The best song for a Fourth of July barbecue. The thong song. The thong song. And what is that? You don't know the thong song? You don't know the thong song? No. How do you know that? Cisco? 1998? Oh, maybe I do. Thong, thong, thong. How do you not know that song? Maybe I do. Okay, beat it, guys. I'm going with... uh, 
what's that John Cougar Mellencamp song about small towns? Is it called Small Town? I don't know that one. <laughs> I don't know that one either. <laughs> and for a second, I was with- concerned he was going to take my guess, which was gin and juice. No. I was going to go with gin and juice. I was, and I was like, to, ooh, I hope he I doesn't take it. I trying to think of something. Man, I'm going to we lose different, this one. We were in different worlds, man. Wait a Come on, we're just waiting on you. I already picked it. Oh, but um, you don't know the name of it? No, I'm going to do I'm going to pick a different one. Probably. I'm going to go I'm with I'm probably not uh, going to vote for that one. What what I'm just struggling. I'm going with uh, America by Neil Diamond. All right, I choose Ezzy. Thanks. Who do you choose? What do we have, Jen and Juice or the thong song? I gotta vote for Ezzy because I don't know the thong song right offhand. I'm gonna, <laughs> it is not my fault. I'm you gonna go ahead. Song. So Ezzy, congratulations! You you have won this round of mixtape. As I am going to add the thong song to my uh, <laughs> your playlist. Yeah. Don't as, play it around your kids. As yeah, you I won't. <laughs> Although after yesterday's Chiefs game, my children have a brand new vocabulary. <laughs> after first quarter? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, that happened. All right. So, well, as we uh, as we round out this episode of Startup Hustle, which once again was brought to you by Fullscale.io, I want to remind you to go ahead and uh, – Go to LillianJamesCreative.com. You can find them on Instagram at at LillianJamesCreative. Um, so we like to end our episodes now. We didn't do this last time you were here. We have what we call the Founders Freestyle. So we found that we would cover a lot of information or stuff during an episode. So it would it was it became a good idea at some point to let everyone have a couple minutes to kind of resolve the thoughts, comments. You can really say about whatever you want. Um, that's a freestyle, man. That's a freestyle. You can do gin and juice. I if thought you, you can freestyle rap. gin and juice. You can. You can if you want. You I would have gone with, with Stankonia if, <laughs> if I had. I just can't believe you didn't know the thong song. That's no, my I biggest didn't. thought process Shock. right now here. Yeah. I, trust me. I'll, I'll, I'll whatever. <laughs> All right, Aaron, you're first. Okay, I'm first. I think that, well, one, thanks for having us on. Thanks for coming. Uh, I think that you've been doing a phenomenal job with the uh, the experience-based marketing versus it, in collaboration with your digital marketing. And that's just really what we want to do for a lot of clients that don't have, don't have the marketing tools that you have. And so uh, we have niched down to B2B. So B2B isn't the sexy industries. That's what we've really found. Fun fact, we are the only B2B marketing agency in all of the Midwest. And so if people want to really take their B2B marketing the next level, now's the time to go all in on your brand, especially as we go to voice. More and more stuff in the voice sector requires people to know your brand, to be able to bring it up and say it. So I think that's just kind of all I got. Your turn, Nazi. Thanks for using your voice. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, you know, uh, there was a saying I heard that the that when you're alone or when you're in a, a you know group think situation, you think of good, bad, and the worst ideas. Uh, you don't think of the best ideas most often until you engage people from outside that yourself or that group think. And I see a lot of these businesses wondering why, considering they're better than everyone else, they're not, the public doesn't view them as being better than everyone else. And I think a lot of that's because uh, they either have that internal company groupthink or they are the decision, <laughs> the decision maker themselves and they're playing ideator, judge and jury. And I think that that's not, you know, that's a, you can come up with good ideas, but the best ideas are, you know, coming from collaboration and, you know, shifting those ideas to someone else, seeing what those blind spots are and, and, you know, playing off of each other until you come up with the absolute best idea. And so my hope is that for the business community, uh, and I'm not just saying this, you know, on behalf of Lily and James, but like, this is really how I feel is that if you're the only one ideating and your team who's seen a lot of the same things you've seen are the only ones ideating, then you're probably not positioning yourself in the best you know, place to really be the best you can and have those best ideas. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and take the third seat here. First off, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, I, I did remember how to do a podcast. 
And our listeners won't notice that this is actually the first podcast we recorded in over a month. So even though they have continued to come out at four days a week, we stockpiled a little and took a little break. So I'm happy that I remembered how to do it. Just like riding a bike. It is. You deserve it. Thanks. Well, I I was halfway around the world and then in Florida. Mm. We're going to do a special episode called Matt Goes to Disney. (laughs) I like it. That cash cow that they're running down there is pretty impressive. Now, Side note, have you watched the new series? You guys already have Disney Plus. Yeah. Have you watched this the um the in innovation series on there no. yet? It's about building Disney World and mm. as an entrepreneur, y- you're going to love it. Yeah, I'll check it out. I watch a lot of weird stuff like that. It's so, not weird, it's really good. <laughs> I had a couple closing comments just about marketing in general. I think that when it comes to marketing, I've always used three words that matter and it's just test test test. Mhm. And you got to try some things out. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, as you talk about ideating and talking about different ideas and stuff like that, you got to, I mean, literally throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Um, I think every brand, every business, every entrepreneur, every company has its own personality. And you got to find some things that fit well with yours, um, things that you want to do, because um, you can have a cool marketing plan and, like, for example, if I didn't like going to concerts, sweet and great, it'd be a fucking disaster. Right. <laughs> I mean, it would. Like, as I just wouldn't want to do it. And people come in the suite a lot and they're like, dude, how do you come to all these? I'm like, really? Right. I'm like, really? Do you really think it's that bad? Because it's not. You know, and um, so you find some things that fit well with your personality, some things that you like doing. Like, I enjoy the podcast. You know, this isn't, I don't see this as work. I get to sit down. I talk to interesting people for about an hour every day. I meet some new people. I see some friends. You know, sometimes I just sit here with Watson and shoot the shit about different stuff. I mean, it's it's a mental exercise in a lot of on a lot of days. So it fits well with the personality of what we're wanting to do. Um, now, with that, it you know, the podcast picked, it grew legs and, and became, has a life of its own at this point. Uh, now at some point you have to look at the things that you're doing and maybe just cause you like them, but they don't work. It might be time to move on. <laughs> That's that test, 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 you know, mentality. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to promote and build your brand. Um, I think building a brand, both personal or professional is a total long play. It takes a long time. It does not occur quickly. Um, It's going to have a lot of days where you're going to say, man, I don't know why I'm even doing this. But at the same time, you got to keep doing it. Um, I'm sitting here looking at cameras right now and they're like (laughs) recording me and that makes me feel good about myself. You know, you know, but we're like the paparazzi. Yeah. Right. (laughs) For our audience of three here in the studio. But with that, you know, like I said, find the things that make a lot of sense for you. Um, there's no reason to not have fun building your own brand and doing your own marketing. Um, your business, at least for me, my businesses are an extension of what I do. So get around, get, get some people in the shop with you that, have fun and want to do it with you and um, have a good time. So speaking of having a good time, I'm going to go get busy doing that. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yep. See y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.